I'm Carrie Benedett, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalise you and your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me. I'm an education consultant specialising in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy, passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. Well, listeners, I am thrilled to start another episode of our Thriving Matters podcast. And my guest today is... Somebody I have gotten to know over the last decade, and I would say a totally phenomenal person. Ben Palmer is currently the CEO of Genos International. Now, in many episodes, you would have heard me refer to Genos, and I have spoken to a number of the Genos family around the world. And it is my absolute pleasure to welcome Ben and say hi from a very sunny Sydney, Ben. Hi, thank you very much for having me, uh, Caroline, uh, and to everyone who's listening. It's great to be here. Thank you. <laughs> ben, usually each episode we talk to people about how they thrive in their life and work and how that starts to merge into the way we show up. So yeah. my first question for you today is, uh, have you had any surprising moments in the past week that really knocked your socks off? They don't have to be huge, but a nice surprise. Hmm. Um, well, I've got three young kids, so I get these all the time, <laughs> to be honest. One that I think stands out for me uh, this week comes from my little six-year-old girl, Maya, who just has such a natural talent for empathy. And we were at her nine-year-old um, brother's birthday uh, on the weekend, and um, just the way she gets around making sure everyone's got a a drink and a cake and you're sort of feeling good. She's got a lovely energy about her and um, that would have to be a highlight for me. And it's so important, isn't it? We take it for granted that our, our children as they're growing up, I think we take for granted that they may not observe as much as they do. So where did she learn that from? There's nothing nicer. I wonder whether she's uh, the influencer. <laughs> It'd be interesting to find out. But uh, that's a great little mechanism she's got for getting to know everybody and uh, saying hi. And yeah, you're quite right. Empathy in a huge uh, commodity for all of us. It's, the world needs it, doesn't it? Especially at the present moment and for the generations that follow behind us. Absolutely. And I think that's what I enjoy so much with her is it is one of these skills or competencies that I think just so naturally comes to her. It, she, mm. it doesn't seem like she's labouring on it. Where did it come from? Well, it certainly didn't come from me, Kerry. And I think that's why I get so fascinated um, with it. But what I like about empathy and in particular in watching her is she's such a source of wisdom with it and a reminder that empathy is something we all have and we all have the capacity for some of us have got it in bigger spades than others and uh, however that you shouldn't let your starting place with it be your ending place with it that it is a skill that you can develop and I love watching her for for that reason as a reminder of the sorts of things that someone's high in that capacity naturally just naturally does because they are things that you can imitate. They are things that you can bring into your own life if you're not naturally high in empathy and they are things that you can hone and get better at as well. Yeah. And the more you put into it, the more naturally it comes to you. So 
Yeah. And Ben, your life work to date has been all around looking at what capacity we have as humans to be able to relate better to each other so that the work we do together is better far and beyond what we expect and that we are able to respect but also stretch each other in the work that we do. So that sense of relatedness and uh, relational intelligence really is what emotional intelligence is all about. Yeah, absolutely. And yes, it is my life's work uh, to date, looking at how we relate with each other through our emotions. And our emotions are so fundamental to that. Uh, If you think about where our emotions show up, they uh, show up in our tone of voice, in our facial expressions and in our body language. And because of that, they're really fundamental to how we connect, uh, communicate and collaborate with each other. And, um, you know, if you look at all the books on centenarians and the things that contribute to a physical and psychological long life, if you like, um, the quality of our relationships is right up there and our social integration. And so um, I just sort of see this as not only something that's important, obviously, at work where our focus is, but obviously also important socially and romantically as well. Mm. And look, I'm pleased that, you know, I mentioned life work because I believe you did some study at Swinburne. Yeah. So would you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I, you know, chose psychology as a degree out of the, you know, book on what degrees you can possibly do simply because I like the name (laughs) of it, to be honest. But the more I studied it, the more I fell in love with the the discipline, if you like, of, of psychology. And I've always said that, you know, the the thing I love most about it is the more you study it, the more you realise that you're just at the tip of the iceberg. And I fell in love with emotional intelligence. I was looking for a PhD topic and Daniel Goleman's book came across my desk, uh, Emotional Intelligence, Why It Can Matter More Than IQ, most widely read social science book in the world today. Yeah, I just fell in love with it. I was working in a neuropsychology laboratory with um, Professor Constow, who had uh, a strong assessment background. And so I started looking at the models and measures of emotional intelligence that were available and became very interested in really how you can assess emotional intelligence. And from there, when I got more into the commercial world, have been interested not only in that, but mostly interested in how you develop these skills within yourself and others. Yeah, because the world of work is rapidly changing before our eyes. And in the next decade, we've we've already landed in 2020, I mean, the world will need some extra and different skills to what we, we know now in this current, and it's before our eyes, it's, it is changing. So when we look at your daughter and your children, you look at my grandkids, their world of work is going to be, I believe, quite different to what we're experiencing now. But people will still be the common denominator. Certainly the thinking component of jobs is going to become more and more automated. If you look at the trading floor of, UBS in say 2008 and if you look at it today there's completely different there's almost nobody there because computers are doing all our trades for us by way of example Um, lots of legal websites where you can go and interact with a computer rather than a lawyer to get what you need whether it be a will or a divorce or a you know an agreement for a joint venture company in a business yeah the, the thinking components of our jobs is going to become more and more automated machines can gather data, interpret data and analyse data quicker, faster and without bias. So um, you can be sure that that component's going to go. And there's a lot of commentary that 
the skills that are going to become more prized over the next decade are things like social persuasion, knowing how to motivate and influence, being able to navigate uh, political hot buttons and, and the rest of it. And these are the sorts of things that are underpinned by emotional intelligence. Demand for it is expected to increase sixfold uh, over this decade, particularly in sectors where there is high amounts of thinking to be automated. Right. So, so it is. It is very different. And um, what I was curious about, you did a post recently on LinkedIn and and Facebook, and it was all about the language of the emotional experience. Now, globally, our access around the world is so fast these days. It doesn't take three weeks for a package to come from Europe. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, it's it's very easy. But what I was fascinated in is that we have got a language around our experience, not necessarily a naming of an emotion, but an experience that we can learn from each other. Now, I often talk about this notion of igaki, which is what the Japanese call, you know, your whole reason for being. Mm. And it's an experience. And you talked a bit about longevity and centenarians and the research behind them is that they are rich in personal experiences. Now, your post recently was, was really fascinating. So there are some amazing words there that we can actually learn from our different cultures. We can put into expressing the way we feel when emotions are quite intricate, when they are complex and connected. So just some thoughts on that. Mm. Well, well, I was in Helsinki and I was looking, going to one of the universities where there are quite some significant kind of emotion researchers there. I was just looking through some of their work and one of the interesting articles that I came across was, yeah, about emotion language, if you like. And I sort of follow language a little bit closely because uh, Mm. my partner, Georgia, is a a linguist and an anthropologist and works in an, an Indigenous community. And, you know, the way we talk shapes the way we think. And the words we use give each other a window into... Um, the way we're thinking, but also the way we're feeling. And and language is a fascinating perspective to look at emotions from because, as that article was pointing out, Mm. there are a lot of um, words in particular languages that don't have a direct translation. And, you know, you can really improve your emotional repertoire and your capacity to effectively express your own feelings, if you like, um, through understanding some of these words and things that exist in these other languages. One of the uh, ones by way of example in Walpuri, which is the language, uh, the indigenous language that my uh, partner works with, is a word called kundanka. And kundanka doesn't have a direct translation, but means shame job, embarrassment and shame and those sorts uh-huh. of sort of wound in. And, uh, you know, that's just a, a beautiful example of a word that doesn't have a direct translation. But as soon as you know that word, you find yourself using it all the time as a way of, um, yes. kind of bringing embarrassment and shame together. And those, those two emotions often yeah. do go together and are experienced together. So I just share with that one as a, as a little. Yeah. I often think of Dadari as, as another really useful word as well, because it's, it's an Aboriginal uh, word as well. And it means the spiritual link and experience that you have, spiritual mm. reflection, whatever. And I think um, I took a group to Arnhem Land uh, about 18 months ago, and we lived with the Yolna people on Ninakai. It's like when you walk on and you are welcomed, you actually can feel 
a different spirit world there. It was actually amazing feeling. And when I talked to those that came with us as we sat around the campfire morning and night and um, we were very respectful. So the men did the men's business and the women did the women's business. But it was a stopping of time that took us to, I believe, another world. Mm -hmm. A world of land and mother nature and culture um, that we, we spent time in trying to understand. And it was so rich. And that, that Dadari then, it was, a, it was a real experience for all of us. Yeah. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Beautiful. Just beautiful. In your business, you have developed a worldwide network and a really a community of like-minded people. And mm. uh, I think that's what's so rich about the family that I'm very proud to say I, I belong to and I hopefully contribute. Your way of being the CEO is an extremely generous one. You know, a little, tell us a little bit about that notion of your generosity. Mm. Well, the word genos is an ancient Greek word that doesn't have a direct translation, but generosity of spirit, kindness and care are kind of the values that that underpin it. And I think we've had some success in building a, a network, a, a tribe, if you, if you like, of people who <laughs> are passionate about what we do, not only because of what we do, but because of the spirit of generosity that we, that we bring to it. And that particular value, generosity of spirit, is something that you know, we try to live uh, as much as we can every day in the work that we do. We have our good days and our not so good days with it, as anyone does. But um, yeah, I think the the notion behind our success is to lean more into the generosity space than than not, and that's something that I think has boded well for us in terms of the community of people that we have working around our particular approach to emotional intelligence. Yeah, and look, kindness, generosity of spirit, and care. I mean, everywhere we look these days, this is what really love is all about. And more and more we are we are hearing from latest researchers. I was listening to Richard Boyatzis recently and um, the interviewer said to him, look, tell us what the world needs more of. And he said, well, really, he said, the world really needs more love. And he said, and when I say love, love really is about care for each other. So for organisations, when they're looking after their people or working with their people, being able to show that they do care for, for them in the work that they're doing, whether they're struggling with a particular part of a role or project, whether they're having personal issues that is impacting on their work life, doesn't matter. But if the company, the organisation, the team shows that they care, there is a love there that sort of is subliminal in a way, but is shown in the behaviour of people and the way that we look after each other. And I think for me, that is a big a big take for anyone in a family, anyone in friendship groups, in associations, organisations. But I think for a legacy that we leave, more and more we need to role model showing up the best way forward, but also caring for each other. And that's part of how we show up each day. To help bring this thinking and mindset um, to people, I have, I call it my two pens activity. And I usually, in front of an audience, have two pens in my hand, one that I picked up from the stationery cab cupboard here at Genos and one that my father gave me some years ago for my 40th birthday. And, um, you know, the pens more or less, less look the same, but I asked the audience, which of these two pens do I care more about? And, of course, the answer is the one my father gave to me. And then I asked them, you know, what are the sort of things you think I do for this pen that I don't do for the one out of the stationery cupboard? And, of course, people say things like, oh, you're mindful of where you, you've kept it. If it runs out, you refill it. You probably don't lend it to people. And 
things like that. They say all the all the right uh, things, of course. And I like to position that as a metaphor for people's business. You know that the the two pens are like a metaphor for your business. And if you care for people, they'll care for your business the way I care for the pen that my father gave me for my fortieth versus the one I got out of the stationery cupboard. I think that's a great reminder of the power of love and the power of relationship and the power of caring for people as a way of getting them to work with your business the way you need to, but also to have, you know to interact with you in the way that you need them to interact with you. Oh, I really like that. And I have heard you do that. Mm. You made me just go back to a, a memory. I grew up uh, one of six children and mum and dad were news agents. And so in a small country town at the base of the Snowy Mountains here in Australia, we had three pillars to our life. Three, three pillars were the shop, working in the shop, the family business, mm. going to church, our religion, our faith, and um, education. Mm. The three things. And uh, when I look back on it, you know, it took Dad a little while to actually be able to verbalise and say, one of his significant birthdays, he looked at all six of us and he said, but you helped me build the business. You were little people. Now, we had to be seven years old and know our seven times table to be able mm. to go to the shop to sell uh, or to run the machine or take payment for a newspaper and a packet of cigarettes at the front counter or, or whatever. But that, that business gave, provided us with, I believe, our training for how we work with people. Mm. It, it gave us personality. It gave us the customer is always right. This is dad and mum's business, so we do our best, you know. And dad would give us five jobs. And in the end, we got very skilled at saying, listen, dad, which one Which one do you want us to do the most? You've just given us five. Come on, you can't, you can't expect us to do it all, all at the same time. So we learnt some of those interpersonal skills that were so rich. Yeah, so mm. in a way, that's the two pens. That was my trigger because we sold a lot of pens, <laughs> a lot of pencils, <laughs> a lot of stationery. Mm. <laughs> but it was well, a great it reminds me. It reminds that story uh, makes me think of something else that I think the world needs more of to add to Richard's list. I, I think one is certainly and probably for, first and foremost love, but I, I think the other thing that the world needs more of at the moment is purpose. Um, and I think that's one of the things your father was creating there amongst other other things you know we need uh leaders politically and leaders in business to better define purpose to create a vision of the future more effectively i think these are missing if you look at our current politics in australia and not just to pick on our scotty mate from marketing but others of different other political parties as well we don't have great vision and purpose that is leading the country and I think business leaders, um, like the outgoing CEO of BHP, need to step up and talk about the future more and what that means from a purpose perspective, because purpose is one of those things that really unites us, engages us, and gets us yes. working with love in the community, in the family, and more broadly as a humanity. And, and I think purpose is just one of those things that people uh, and leaders around the world need to, to think more deeply about how they shape purpose and in particular articulate it in a way that people can understand and engage with. And Ben, I think that's a really nice way to draw in our conversation because we could have another conversation just on purpose. Our sense of permanent purpose, why do we get out of bed each day? What, what gets us there? 
And part of getting us there is working with people, um, mm. I believe. But leading each other, I think you're right. Our nation and our globe need leaders who are not just leading for today. They are leading for tomorrow. And as, as you have your children and your grandchildren and we look at the future, we have just experienced in the last good couple of years in Australia, and particularly last year, a burning of the country that's taken a third of our country away. What has also happened is a coming together of community to say we are going to work together to support each other. However, we are sadly lacking in expediency and um, a plan for the future. Through our drought, through our fire, of which we know our country is a land of bushfires and flooding plains. We understand that. It has a history. However, we are a very intelligent people and we need to actually put our intelligence into into purpose and purpose into intelligence, I think. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I think political world leaders could do more to pick up some of those people who are leading the change, the charge on, around purpose and, say, climate change by way of example and rather than trying to beat them down or diminish their contribution is to put it out on a pedestal more, lift it up and use it as a vehicle to drive us all forward. And part of that is listening to each other and getting into the place. So kindness, generosity of spirit and care. Listeners, I'm hearing from Ben that, you know, what is our call to action around purpose? And perhaps you're going to think about your emotional repertoire as well. What type of words do we use to express our our care and concern for our country, for our family, for our relationships. And the last thing I think, Ben, I might say to people is, you know, your word genos, deliberately chosen around your values. So for each of us, what would our genos be if we linked into our own value system and our view of the world? Because really we are a people who need each other and should also carry each other to the next step. We should pick each other up and um, help those ripples go far and beyond. So a man of ordinariness doing extraordinary things, Ben. So thank you for your time today. Listeners, if you would like to know more about Ben or contact him, Ben, what's your best contact? Well, people can just email me directly, uh, ben.palmer at janosinternational.com or go to our website, www.genostinternational.com, where there's a... There is, there is. And listeners, if you would like to know more about what I do, uh, carriebenedict.com. But more importantly, if you've enjoyed today's episode, pop on to Apple Podcasts and give us a thumbs up. It's always a, a great way to look at your stats and go, wow, people are actually listening. It gives me some feedback as well. And I... I actually think I'm the luckiest girl in the world when I get to talk to people such as Ben Palmer who are doing amazing things with the work that he does. So once again, your thriving matters. So have a think about your sense of kindness, generosity of spirit and care. What's your genos for the next week? See you. 